Peter has been speaking about false prophets and the lifestyle of those who have been caught up in falsehood. In the last reflection, we saw how Peter displayed his anger and over the falsehood that was permeating the society and church of his day. In fact, the apostle was so angry with this falsehood that he calls those who promote it irrational animals born to be caught and destroyed. Now, these false prophets are not just people with another perspective on life. They were blots and blemishes on the church and society. They were animals preying on those seeking the truth. They were bold and willful blasphemers defying the way of God, boldly reveling in their evil deceptions, according to Peter. And Peter is doing everything he can here in this letter to awaken believers to what was going on around them. The evil lifestyle and beliefs of these false prophets was not something that he could take lightly. In fact, these false prophets turned people away from God and his purpose for their lives and, and for the church and for our society. They influenced our, they, even in our day, they influence our schools and train our children in, in ways of ungodliness. They permeate our government and cause it to make legislation that runs contrary to the teaching of Scripture. And ultimately, those who stand for the truth of God will become enemies. We cannot afford to sleep in our day. We cannot compromise with the devil and his ways. We must stand for what is right and truthful. And the time is coming when we will be forced to make a choice between false teaching of this world and the word of God. And the Bible makes it clear that the day is coming when believers will suffer for their faith and their stand for truth. And as we continue in the remainder of chapter 2, Peter reminds us of the nature of the enemy of falsehood that we must stand against in our day. Let's read from 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 14 to 19. 2 Peter 2, 14 to 19. They have eyes full of of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing but was rebuked for his own transgressions. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. They are waterless springs and mist driven by a storm. For them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption, for whoever or whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. Notice how Peter describes the false teachers and the falsehood of his day in verse 14. 
They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Well, first Peter tells us that these false teachers have eyes full of adultery. Adultery has to do with being unfaithful to one's partner. And we often speak of this in terms of marriage, but Scripture also speaks of it in terms of our relationship with God. There is a spiritual adultery that is equally or even great more serious than, than uh, a, a marital unfaithfulness. This has to do with turning one's eyes and one's heart away from the true God and His ways. Now, notice the connection here between adultery and sin in verse 14. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. In other words, adultery is described here as being unfaithful to God and his purpose for our lives. Now, what is the path of falsehood? It's a path that turns its face from God and his word to another way. It's the heart that lusts after sinful ways and is willing to turn from God to satisfy those lusts. Now, notice who falls into this adultery. Verse 14 tells us that these false prophets entice unsteady souls. It is those who have unsteady souls that fall prey to the teachings and the lifestyle of false prophets. It is those who are not grounded, that are unstable. They do not have a relationship with God that will keep them faithful in times of temptation. They have never learned to love him truly. They've never anchored themselves in him. They've never learned to walk in the power of the Spirit. They're overcome still by their passions. The love of the world has still an attraction to the unstable. They still live in the flesh. And have never truly learned to die to themselves. These unstable have no way to resist the lust of the flesh and are easily and easily fall into falsehood and error. So Peter describes the falsehood around him as adulterous because it turns its heart from God and his purpose. But secondly, Peter, Peter tells us that goes on to describe these false teachers of his day as having hearts trained in greed. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. The heart that is not grounded in God and satisfied in him is a heart that seeks satisfaction elsewhere. This world, however, will never fully satisfy the seeking heart. The heart feasting on the pleasures and satisfactions of this world is never fully content. It greedily craves more and more. There is never enough money, never enough pleasures, never enough recognition. And those caught up in greed find themselves overcome in this endless pursuit to satisfy the emptiness of their heart. Peter calls them here accursed children. They're children living under the curse of greed and adultery, feasting daily on their lusts, but never satisfied. But oh, how different it is for those who truly know the Lord. Consider the words of the psalmist in Psalm 65 when he says this, Blessed is the one you choose and bring near 
to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. Psalm 65 and verse 4. Consider also the words of the uh, of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet in, in Jeremiah 31 and verse 14 when he says this, I will feast the soul of the priests with abundance and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. My people will be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. Listen also to the words of Jesus in Matthew 5 and verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Those who experience this goodness of God are satisfied. That satisfaction in Christ banishes greed. They're free to give up the world because they have everything they need in Jesus Christ. False teachers are trained in greed, for they are constantly seeking satisfaction in what can never, ever meet their need. Now, Peter continues with this illustration of greed in verses 15 and 16 when he compares false teachers and falsehood to Balaam the prophet. Numbers 22 just tells the story of how Balak hired a false prophet by the name of Balaam to prophesy against the nation of Israel. While we don't know exactly what was going through the mind of Balaam when he received that commission from Balak, Balak offered him great, great riches if he would only curse Israel, the people of God. Now, Balaam must have been tempted by this offer, for Peter tells us that he loved gain from wrongdoing. And were it not for the donkey that spoke to him on the way to Balak, uh, Balaam may have fallen prey to this temptation and certainly cursed Israel. But according to Peter, that donkey restrained the prophet's madness. The false prophet does not value truth and God's purpose. For the right price, they will compromise with the devil. Like Judas, they will sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. They will compromise the truth if it pleases the crowd. They will surrender their integrity if the prophet is big enough. There's still a love for the pleasures and riches of this world in the false prophet. When weighed against their faith, those pleasures and prophets often outweigh their faith and put them with the right crowd and in the right circumstances, and they fall because they have not died to the world. But consider Paul's attitude, however, when compared to these false prophets. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This world had no attraction to the prophet, uh, to the, the apostle Paul. Christ had captivated his heart. Writing to the Colossians, he said, If then you have been raised with Christ, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. What could this world offer, Paul? that he did not have in greater abundance in Jesus Christ. And he challenged believers to die to the world and its attractions. But these false prophets have never died to this world. They, they were tempted by possessions and pleasures and position. These things caused them to turn their eyes from Jesus Christ. They were not 
they had not discovered the fullness of being in Christ and were motivated like Balaam to seek this world more than Christ and his purpose. They were greedy for this world. Now these prophets in Peter's day and even in our day come across very powerful and influential, but notice how Peter describes them in verse 17. They are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. First, the waterless springs. These false prophets and their lifestyle had nothing to offer of any true value. It was as if a thirsty man came to the stream and found, absolutely, found it absolutely dry. What they had to offer could never satisfy the soul. They were waterless springs. But second, they were mist driven by the storm. The mist is helpless in a storm. It is driven wherever the wind takes it. The mist has no anchor. It moves from one place to another. And this is what it was like for these false teachers. They had no anchor of truth. They were driven from one falsehood to another. That is the way of falsehood. It is influenced by the time. As culture changes, so does the lifestyle. There is no authority, nothing to ground falsehood. But the truth of God's word never changes. God's word is an anchor for our lives. By it, we understand God's purpose. By it, we understand what is right and what is wrong. By it, we discover the truth in our purpose in life. It grounds us. Falsehood has no such grounding, but is driven to and fro like the mist in a storm. And where does all this lead? Peter tells us in verse 17, for them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. This falsehood, according to Peter, leads ultimately to gloomy and utter darkness. A life lived in adulterous unfaithfulness to God and his word will lead to an eternity of utter gloomy darkness. This is the fruit of falsehood and its ungodly lifestyle. Now, Peter has one more thing to say about false prophets and their lifestyle in verses 18 and 19. Listen to what he says. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh, those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption for whatever overcomes a person to that he is enslaved. Notice several details here. First, false prophets speak loud and boastful folly. What they teach, according to Peter, is foolishness. We only have to listen to what is being said in our day. It's neither based on scripture nor reason, yet it's presented with all seriousness and taught to our youth. False teachers parade through our streets, boasting of their ungodliness. They broadcast their falsehood wherever they go. Second, they entice by sensual passion of the flesh. 
Peter goes on in verse 18 to tell us that these false teachers entice by sensual passions of the flesh. They entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. It's not hard to see this in our day. The false teaching of our day wants to train our children in alternative sexual lifestyles. It wants to confuse our culture in terms of their gender identification. It wants to promote a lifestyle that is biblically defined as ungodly and immoral. It wants to ingrain ungodliness into the minds of those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. Now, who are those who are barely escaping from those who live in error? These are the weak and the vulnerable. These are the weak and unstable. These are the young. These are the ones the false teachers target. And notice how, how, how Peter concludes this section. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption for whatever overcomes a person to that he is enslaved. The falsehood of our day promises freedom. It offers you the possibility to be whatever you want to be. It offers you the freedom to set your own rules and pronouns. It gives you the opportunity to tell people how they are to see you and how they are to treat you and how they are to address you. But Peter tells us, however, that what is offered in the name of freedom makes us slaves to corruption and evil. Those who fall prey to this falsehood find themselves afloat on a sea of confusion and chaos with no anchor. We reject truth and morality at our own peril. Falsehood is a cruel master. It mutilates the bodies of our young children and adults and confuses them with their identity. It opens the door for, for great unrest in our society. Unrestrained freedom is a dark, dark prison. Peter's words speak to a society today. It warns us of the dangers of not standing up against falsehood and ungodliness. And may God give us the grace to recognize the error and falsehood in our own day and stand firm in the truth. For the truth of Christ alone is the only truth that can set us free and bring us the satisfaction and delight we need in our Creator and Savior.